What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Beer Guts and Buttercuts, aka BGBC. Uh, with me, as always, I've got Caddy Josh, yo yo yo, and Mr. Carmen. Going on. So we're t- we're gonna be talking about the PJ Championship. First time we had a major this year, and man, it feels good. Uh, I don't know about you guys, but it was the first time I was like really excited to watch all four days of the golf tournament because it felt like there was so much more on the line. Um, but we'll talk a little bit more about that as we go into the episode. First, I want to talk about our social media posts. Uh, this past week, we had the Catawba Brewing Company White Zombie Ale as our beer of the week. Uh, if you listened to our uh, last episode, you can go to their website, catawbabrewingco.com, and check out all their other brews. Um, our tool of the week this past week was the Caddy Swag Cooler. Uh, perfect for a little late nine. You can fit about six beers in there and pack some ice on top of it. It's perfect for you and your buddies. Uh, which brings us into our beer of the week. But before we do that, ladies and gentlemen, we have a very, very special, unbelievable guest tuning in. Returning from Harding Park after covering the PGA Championship, ladies and gentlemen, the one and only Sad McCullough. Mr. Jakob Jemster, Mr. Jakob Jemster, how are we folks? Doing great. So tell me, what was it like out there in, in San Francisco? It was only, as Sav can put it, epic and unbelievable. It was a great, it was a great tournament. Colin Morikawa, man, what a nut job on that 16th tee box. Unbelievable. He just, he just took it. He took it by the balls and he got it. It was unbelievable. Um, Sav loved every minute of it. Had a good time out there. Had some good stories to share with you guys. I'm glad to be here. Love the beer, get some buttercuts, guys. Um, shout out to my boy, uh, Trevor Immerman. Uh, from the broad broadcast, if you guys did not hear, he said Buttercut at least four times uh, on the broadcast. So just shout out to you boys. He's like, oh, sweet little Buttercut. Said it about four times. Just a subtle nod to us, us here at BGBC. Yeah. Yeah, the word's getting out. <laughs> uh, yeah, so actually I saw somewhere on, I think it was Instagram or Twitter, that they said that Colin's drive on 16 was something like on PGA Tour where you just – have unlimited power. You can put backspin on the ball, and, and you're on your way to shoot a 56. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was it was unreal. But for those of you that don't know, Sad McCauley, his alter ego in real life, he goes by the name of Patrick Buclo. But we want to ask you, where does Sad McCauley even originate? Where did that alter ego come from? Well, Sab is kind of a play on Sab originated, and you know, probably Carmen can attest to this a little bit. Um, those long, endless trips uh, in those vans at Methodist University playing baseball. Oh, um, <laughs> uh, when I was a freshman, I, somehow I got into the into the senior van, and uh, <laughs> I don't know. I think they had to take. I had. I think they had to take one by um, process of elimination. So they just took me, and you know, I just you know, as we grew closer as a team, we were really good that year. We were like we were like 41 and nine. We were super good. And, um, and, you know, so the team got along really well. And so like when we drive back, you know, people would be like, I, I would, I, I would sad was a play on like a game show host. And I would do like, Hey, this is sad Macaulay host of the name game. And that, <laughs> that, that shit really hurt my throat a lot. <laughs> so, so what I do, like, I, you know, I do that. And then as it evolved, um, couple of the boy, boys I play golf with, um, Philip Hart Jr., JT Giovanni, and Mr. Christopher Sharon. Um, <laughs> I, uh, you know, we, we play in a, we, we play for a trophy. We got a trophy. We got some individual trophies. It's fun stuff. And um, Phil and JT actually started that. 
And we were out at Carolina Trace one time, which is up in Sanford, North Carolina. And listeners, if you've never played that course, it is it's epic and unbelievable. They got two tracks out there. Really good spot. Really good spot if you want to play it. But um, JT, uh, I think Chris couldn't play, so it was just me, JT, and Phil out there. And I was kind of riding in the car by myself. They were playing for their little BB Challenge trophy. And there was like three little old ladies in front of us the whole day. And it was like, it took like <laughs> six hours to play. And so I was just like, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to bring out, I'm going to bring out Sav. And I just went on Facebook live, started recording people, people loved it. People laughed, people text me. It was like, haha, that's really funny. And so Sav kind of went from a game show host to, um, I don't know if you guys ever heard him, but um, Eva Robson, who was like the starter at the Open Championship for like 40 something years, he retired oh, okay. a few years ago, but he, uh, he does, you, you would know his voice. He would be like, now on the tee from the USA, Tiger Woods, that guy, <laughs> uh, you know, so he, he's, he was kind of the play on Sav. So he's kind of like the inspiration for Sav. And um, so I just go on there. I just have a good time with it. You know, it's kind of, funny to act like someone else you know and I'd be like I didn't say it Sav said it so um you know play that a little bit and that's put how it, Sav put it kinda, on Sav. yeah put it on Sav so I that's how it kind of played out and that's that's what I do and then um you know it's it makes the round a little bit more fun especially when um you know there's not as much alcohol out there We're playing a competitive round it kind of just loosens it up a little bit well I think we need to start a Wikipedia page to track Sav's career from game show commentator to a golf analyst oh it's epic and unbelievable i mean, <laughs> that could be I mean everybody everybody wants cbs to hire phil mickelson i mean the eyes need to be this way sad mccauley coming back but yeah so uh, as we mentioned before we're going to talk about the beer of the week we've got the sam adams summer ale uh this was my pick for the week it was my first time trying it but i'm glad that i picked it uh as far as taste goes it's really good it's a citrus wheat ale uh, I didn't really know what that meant at first, but I'm glad I, I picked it. As far as course drinkability, this is my first time I'm going to get real specific. Uh, I believe it's going to be a 3.7. It goes goes down smooth. I'm not going to lie, when I popped the cap on it, the, the pungent smell kind of took me back a little bit. Um, but as far as smoothness goes, 3.7, I can drink these on the course. I don't know if it's going to be a full round of them, but 3.7 is my score. What you guys got? I – yeah, I uh, I love the taste of it. I actually had it in my fridge and you mentioned it. And it's a really nice summer beer. I'm going to go with a, a 1.5 for course drinkability just because wow. like, it, it is a little – one, it's hard to find Sam Adams in cans. And if you're dragging glass bottles around on the course, like that kind of becomes a little bit clunky. But it is a little heavy, personally, to be like drinking mid-round. But I think it's a great post-round brew. Following Set. Carmen, I'm going – with a specific 2.25, two and a quarter. <laughs> uh, I do, this is my first time as well tasting it. Sam Adams, you know, legendary brewmasters. But I feel like this is a beer I'm ordering when I walk off 18, not while I'm trying to be on the course drinking. You know, I'd rather be crushing the mountains, baby. But so two, two and a quarter, two and a quarter. I love it, folks. Summer ale is epic and unbelievable. Sam has been drinking that for many, many years. Um, it's one of my favorites for sure. Um, if I would go, if I were rating it, I'd go your course drinkability about a three and a half. It is, it does, Carmen's right. It does get a little heavy. Um, so it's probably not an 18 hole, um, round, but to 
you know, to kind of piggyback on what you guys say, post round drinkability, you know, I, you know, if we're rating that, I'd give it a five for sure because uh, it, is, yeah. it, it is super refreshing. So you come off 18, it's hot as balls in North Carolina. You want a Sam Adams summer ale. It's, it's a really, really good brew. It's got some, you know, that lemon, that, that little punch is that, you know, that African pepper that's in it, the grains of paradise. Um, that's if you guys didn't know, Sav dabbles, Sav, Sav is an amateur chef, so I know a lot of shit about that. And, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's uh, that's kind of what hits you in the mouth, but it's, it's really, really good, and uh, I, I love it as beer of the week. It's a good golf beer for sure. What does Sav not do? Nothing, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So, if you guys want to check out more what Sam Adams got, head over to samueladams.com. Uh, you'll be able to see all their different brews. This is only one of them. I mean, they've got so many to choose from. Uh, they dabble in a little bit of everything. They got IPAs. They've got seasonals. They got pretty much whatever you want. Uh, so head on over to that. We'll make a post later in the week highlighting the same Adams. Hopefully, we'll get out to the course, which leads me into the next segment. Uh, Patrick, we always talk about our own game and what we did during the week leading up. So, oh, Chris, don't ask Seth about his own game. I, I would like. It's to not ask epic you. or unbelievable. I would like to ask you, you know, even if you didn't play this week, what are your goals? Like, where, where, where do you want to be at the end of the year this year? Well, usually, you know, that's kind of, it's a good question because usually when, you know, at the beginning of the year, I kind of want to, um, I, I set some realistic goals. I'm not real, I'm not unrealistic at any by any means when I go on the golf course. I'm, I'm a pretty average golfer. You know, um, my goals, one of my goals for the year was to um, play at least five rounds without a double bogey on the card. I've hit that one time this year and I've played a pretty good amount of golf. So um, it's, it's always seems to creep up there. You know, I was a couple weeks ago when uh, Josh and I played probably the middle round, Josh will attest to this, you know, at Lockwood Folly, I was just dialed in. I was hitting everything in the fairway, you know, irons were pretty good. Putter was working pretty well, but you know, there was just, you know, I, I think I was, I was on my way to an even par front and that short little par, um, that short little par four, number nine, um, you know, there's, you know, Josh blew it through the fairway and then there was uh, a bunch of bunkers on the left-hand side short. I went in the bunker, you know, chunked it a little bit, hit the, you know, and then before you know it, you know, that, you know, I'm 30 yards away from the green in the bunker and, I'm making a double bogey. So, you know, it, it happens, it comes up, but that's definitely one of my goals. You know, as far as my, you know, I just, I, you know, I just, I just added a five wood to my bag, which is something I've never hit before. Um, so I'm going to, I'm going to test that out a little bit. Um, mostly because I carry a three and a four hybrid. Um, I hit the, I hit the four hybrid about 215 um, on average, the three, the three hybrid, probably 230. Um if, if I hit it pretty well, but my three wood, which is probably one of my best longer clubs is, a, is about 255 right around there. But that five wood, I want to find something in that range because there was a couple times, you know, a couple weeks ago when I played, you know, those three days, three out of four days that um, Lockwood Folly Josh, that's that third hole, long par five, smoke the drive. And I had like, 240 238 240 to the to the pin smoked a three hybrid thought i got it there and then i got up to the side of the green and you know it was actually in you know in a fringe area and it kind of looked at a little valley 
dip in front of the green. So I was like, you know, let me put something else in the bag, see if I can get that, you know, extra five, 10 yards. And that's kind of where I'm at with the game. You know, definitely, you know, sitting around that 12 to 14 handicap range, you know, and, you know, I can blow up like anybody else and, and shoot at 90, <laughs> but then I can go out there, you know, a couple, the start of the summer, I started the summer four straight rounds uh, in the seventies. You know, you know, I shot 77 and two seventy eights and a 79. And, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of been a mixed bag. <laughs> so what five, what did you put in the bag? Um, I put, I have, um, my driver and my three wood are the 2015 Callaway Big Berthas. Um, and I love them. And I was like, you know what? I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna drop a ton of money on them. And I know I like this club. It has the same shaft that my three wood and driver have. So I was like, you know what? I know I like these clubs. I know I can swing them. So I went, I went on eBay, searched, you know, you know, a club that's four or five years old, left-handed, you know, they're, they're, they're fucking giving them away on eBay. So, uh, <laughs> so I just, you know, I was like, why not? Let me buy it. I think it cost me like 35 bucks. <laughs> so I, I, I mean, it was in like mint condition because I mean, nobody wants it. So I was like, man, why not? So I've hit it a couple of times, you know, it's, you know, I, I need to go to the range and I need to fine tune it a little bit. And, um, We'll see if it will stay in the bag permanently for sure. So you're a little bit, we're a little bit past the halfway point in the year and you still got, you've only got one round without a double bogey. Have you reevaluated any, do you have any new goals that you want to do or are you still working towards that? Yeah. I mean, that, that's the ultimate goal is to eliminate the doubles because to me, they're, they're absolute round killers. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, you could have momentum going like, even with the, you know, going back a week, a, a week or two, you know, I'm, you know, I'm even par at, you know, after the eighth hole and the double, you know, instead of shooting a 36, I'm shooting a 38. I end up shooting a 78. You know, I gave away a few shots here and there. You know, I, I threw away a 70, a 74, 75 very easily um, because of the, the double, the one double I had in the front and one double I had on the back. So, um, you know, I would say, you know, try to, you know, lag putting is big for me. That's something I never used to do when I was young. Like I would try to drain every single putt and I, you know, I've kind of gotten to the point to where, Hey, try to get the pace, try to get the speed. So that, that's something I work on a lot too, because it's okay to make par. It's okay to make bogey uh, instead of double bogey. So those are, those are kind of things that I, you know, I, I do want to, on a round by round basis. And that's probably the things, you know, the, the double bogey thing is definitely the ultimate goal, probably, you know, maybe average at least, at least two birdies around, you know, one, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to be too crazy, but you know, I'd like one per side. I think that's a realistic goal. And a lot of the courses that I play around here, I've played before. Um, so with just course knowledge, I should be able to put it in the position where I can, um, where I can mix birdies. Well, we are looking forward to potentially playing together. Um, we'd love to see the Sam McCauley swing in action, maybe get some commentary on the, yeah, uh, dude, on the Instagram I, and Twitter page. We, we need to do it, boys, for sure. I just uh, I just booked a trip for a fall golf trip to um, – and you guys should check it out. It's uh, to Fripp Island, South Carolina, which is down near Hilton Head. Um, never been there before. My, my buddy, Philip Jr., who's a legendary in Sav's eyes, he's um, – 
he's 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 actually recovering from an injury um, or a surgery, I should say. He's going to get ready to um, tee it back up here in about four or five weeks, and then we're going to go down there with some friends uh, in October and play um, Ocean Point and Ocean Creek, which look phenomenal on the internet. Obviously, you can look up the internet; everything looks good, but um, you can't imagine that it's that it's a bad spot. It's uh, looks pretty cool. So that's kind of I'm looking forward to that in the fall. I'll fine-tune the game before that, too, because I'm sure there'll be money flowing around um, when it comes to that trip. But as far as us playing, you know, Mr. Common, you need to get your ass down here. And uh, let's, play some, let's, play some, let's play some golf. Um, we can go to Myrtle Beach. We can, I mean, to be honest with you, the Fayetteville area, I mean, is one of, I mean, you're 30 minutes from Southern Pine, some of the best courses ever. The Wilmington area is, is good as well. I mean, Wilmington's got a you know better private scene than public scene for sure when it comes to golf courses. Um, but I'm down for anything. I you know I know you guys have been playing Pine Valley Country Club a lot, which is something I played um, a shit ton of with my buddy Drew Kirby and his his dad's out there. His dad is a legend out there. And he's one I remember like a thousand times. So um, I'm definitely looking forward to it. When you get your butt down here, let's do it. So that leads me into Carmen. Where are we at with your game? Uh, I wasn't able to do much at all this week. I sent my clubs in to get regripped uh, on Monday, the whole set besides the putter, and I just picked them up yesterday. Um, so it took a little bit longer than then I was quoted. They told me to have them back Thursday, but it is what it is. Um, they did a really nice job though. Grips are in great shape, so I was able to get out on the range yesterday. I'm gonna try. Kind of depending on how work goes tomorrow to get out there and at least play nine. I'm going to try and squeeze 18 in. Uh, so I'll be busy this weekend. The grips that you had before, were they – what size were they? Were they mid-sized grips or were they a little bit smaller? Uh, they were standard, but it was more of – like, yeah, like I definitely do need to be in mid-size, which I have now, but it wasn't as if, like, my hands were just engulfing the grip. You know what right. I mean? It was just – I don't like – I don't really like the grips that came on the uh, the rogue irons. They just they just weren't quite as comfortable. But it's more of a comfort thing. I don't think I'm gonna play ten strokes better because I got the grips. But <laughs> yeah, it's also like I like when things match. It's just just a thing with me. So I like having everything in the uh, in the bag with the same grip, obviously minus the putter. But does it feel better like when you when you put the club down on the ground and you have it in your hands? Does it feel better? Do you feel more? Oh confident? yeah, like I, I feel like I don't have to grip it quite as tight before which is yeah. always a good thing i definitely do grip it a little bit too tight so it definitely feels better uh i feel like i have a little bit more control especially on like the three wooden driver it doesn't slide around quite as much especially because driver my driver really needed a grip um that's the only club that it really needed to be regripped anyway um so that helps so looking to get out on the course tomorrow but i went to range today um and it felt it felt really good so i'm looking forward to it but definitely need to get back out there Love it here. And have you played any with your buddy Joe? Not yet, man, because our schedules is having aligned. Uh, he just started a new job, so he's grinding away. Um, but we do have plans, at least tentatively, to get out there and play nine on Thursday because we both can get off a little bit early. So nice. uh, looking to maybe get two rounds in this week, which would be big news for me. And I'm trying, I'm trying to remember. I can't remember if you told me or not, but the course that we played when we were up there, Patuxent Greens. Did you say it closed? It's a uh, like condominiums now. <laughs> All right, because yeah, I remember, was, like, I mean, it was. It looked like construction site when we were out there. It honestly, it has so much potential to be such a nice club. It used to be great. I mean, when I was younger, obviously I didn't play. 
like that was a legitimate course. Um, greens were in great shape, but as the money just went away, um, it just it just crumbled. And then when we got out there, that was obviously the lowest of the low. And then the <laughs> land ended up getting sold. But that was even if it was like shitty, I would have loved to have it because it was literally a minute from my house. Yeah, that's what I was. Gonna it was say. sixteen bucks to play at like eight in the morning. I mean, you yes. can't beat that. Yeah, unreal. So, Josh, how was your week? So I played once, played with a group of caddies from Eagle Point. Uh, we went and showed out at Castle Bay once again, and I had the lowest of lows to the highest of highs. Shot eight over on the front, even par on the back. First time I've ever shot even par on a nine. I've never done it. I've been one over. I've been three over. I've never been even par or under, so was thriving. Not my best round of my life. You know, I shot 80 still. But to shoot even par on the back, especially after an eight over front, I was really pleased with myself. I just couldn't get anything clicking on the front. You know, I would like hit a good drive and I hit a bad approach shot or I hit a bad drive and like a really good second shot and like just could never really get anything running on the front. And on the back, I mean, I just became a different animal and just kind of locked it in, you know, clubbed up, started swinging smoother, focused on ball contact and then. You know, like Patrick was saying, really grinding on my lag putts and, you know, giving yourself a tap in for par, keeping yourself alive, and birdied 18 to make it even par. So I was really pleased with myself and really proud of the uh, fight back on the back there. What I think is most impressive about that is that, in my opinion, the back is miles harder than the front nine. Oh, yeah. The back nine, I mean, it, it doesn't play hard, but it forces you to make some decisions off of the tee and, and on your approach shots. And some of the, I mean, some of those holes can be tough. Like, uh, for instance, the par five where you have the two hazards where you, you can choose to either try and land it in that real small zone on the second fairway or just try and crush it. But then you try and crush it, you know, a lot of things can happen. You can flare it right. You can do the old Jacob Dempster crossover, double cross left with the five foot. <laughs> um, so, I mean, for you to do on the back nine, that, that is impressive. How did uh, you putt? Because we know you're a notoriously uh, shaky putter. How was it with the with the trust? The trust, third round, shout out Sav. Um first round was great. Second round was good. I mean you witnessed the yeah. second round. Patrick witnessed the first round. He saw what I was doing with it. And you know, it was like one of those things where it wasn't really the putter, it was more so the reading on the front nine. But then on the back, you know, like I said, you know, redialed it in and got a lot more confident with it. I mean, the confidence is just through the roof with it. You know, I was using that Blade Odyssey that Phil used to use back in the day, and I just felt like I had to do so much to try and control that thing through impact zone and really work on it. And now it's like I can focus on my line, and, you know, obviously I didn't read the greens that great on the front, but once I started dialing in the reads and figuring out the pace, it was like the putter, you know, does all the work that mallet style tm2 trust i mean i was i mean i'm loving it i'm head over heels right now i'm really glad you decided to go with the mallet because i think that that's exactly what you needed yeah it was an epic debate for sure we were in the superstore and you could see he gravitated towards you know that that um traditional style putter at first but the your josh your actual the actual stroke that you were taking and then, you know, watching you play one round with it just at Tidewater, which is an extremely difficult course that has very hard greens to read. The, you know, his pace was good. The stroke looked good. He was, you know, he's square through impact pretty much every time. So I think he, I, the mallet was definitely the right choice. I mean, you made the right choice for your game rather than 
kind of what, hey, you know, what is everyone else? You know, I don't even know who else is using those. I mean, DJ's already taken that thing out of his bag. Maybe after yesterday, he should put it back in. But, um, <laughs> you know, so I, I, you know, you're welcome. And uh, <laughs> and uh, keep, keep, keep uh, 80, man. That's a hell of a round, dude. Um, even yeah. far on the back. I, you know, the few times I played Castle Bay, I would definitely agree with Mr. Yakafiensta. Uh, the back is hard a lot harder than the front in my opinion as well. So, um, you know, great round, dude, even par on the back for sure. Uh, what was, what was wrong on the front? A little bit of tempo issues. Uh, the downfall was the, the, yeah, tempo. That was the approach shots. Uh, I just like couldn't hit a green. Um, I had the Yanks. I was kind of just coming across it a little bit. Little Jakob Yemster rubbed off on me. He must've touched my clubs at my clubs or something. <laughs> Put a little bad juju on him. I goes. was like, I mean, and, like, I was even checking my alignment and things like that, making sure, you know, I would, like, draw an invisible line, look at a point on the ground, and was, like, you know, getting parallel and set with it. And I was just yanking across them. And then, I mean, once I started on the back, you know, I just said, you know what, let's be a little bit more smooth. Let's club up and, you know, just try and focus on contact and alignment. And then, you know, all systems were a go from there. I mean, I only had one triple on the day. I had no doubles. I had two birdies. And the rest were par and bogeys. So, Overall, solid round, especially to fight through the mental game and, you know, figure it out instead of launching a wedge 36,000 yards over the green. You know, I didn't have any club throws. Wow. Obviously, yeah. I was, that's, so, that's a big stat to walk. So, no, no doubles and no club throws. The triple hurt me bad, but it was a rough front nine, and I had to fight through it. So, this, this I, I was pleased. I was pleased. This guy's unrecognizable. I was pleased with myself. The, the new putter knew me. Yeah, you launch that putter, you're, I'm going to break your neck. <laughs> no. no, if if I if if I feel like the putter's letting me down, I'm going to my bag and throwing it in. So uh, I don't think it's going to be the putter itself letting you down, big guy. I mean, I, seriously, the the first round that I played with him at Pine Valley, I said it before on the podcast, but his pace was just on like miles better. Um, so I, I mean, I you guys are in trouble. I actually believe him now when he says that he putted good. Before I was like. Eh. I don't That's know, the man. thing, man. Josh, if you, if you can just get your putting back, because you want to talk about, like, strokes gained, you're probably giving back five or six strokes to the field. For sure. Greens. You guys... Because, like, you're solid with a driver. I mean, everyone has their days, and but you strike the ball pretty well. But once you get on the greens, man, you look like Helen Keller sometimes. I'm not <laughs> well, you guys are in trouble now, so. So that leads me into my own game. And, unfortunately, I had no rain session and no rounds whatsoever. But... I do have some good news to bring to the table. I finally went to go get fitted, and I was able to get some new sticks. Nice. Yes. I uh, I pulled up to the fitting, pulled out my seven iron, and the guy was like, "Wow, OG AB2s." I was like, "Yeah, these things. I've uh, seen some seen some swings." And so I I hopped on the uh, simulator and. He, uh, immediately he was like dude like your spin's way too high like that just tells me that the grooves are beat to death and i was like yeah you know i mean they were hand-me-downs my brother played them then i played them and now i've been using them for a couple of years and but i was able to get fitted and it felt really good because it, he kind of did what a fitter was supposed to do he diagnosed what was going on so he actually got me into a different shaft he got me into some mid-sized grips, and he changed my lie angle to two, two degrees upright, uh, which kind of helps eliminate that double-cross hook that uh, gets me every, all the time. But I'm excited. I went, 
I wanted to get the exports, but unfortunately, three weeks ago, Callaway discontinued the exports, which meant, means that I wasn't able to get them custom built to what I wanted. But he put me into some Apex Pros, which uh, nice. I really liked. Uh, out of all the clubs that I tested, those were the ones that I hit the best. I tried out the Ping i500s, the uh, TaylorMade P760s, the Strixon uh, Z. 785, I think, and um, the Mizuno MP something. But, uh, yeah, so I hit the Apex Pros the best, and I should expect those to come in within the next couple weeks, hopefully, for the uh, Charleston trip I'm getting ready to go on. Uh, looking forward to that. Heading down to Charleston to see our buddy Will play, play a few rounds down there. Um, but, yeah, so I'm hoping to get out this week. I really want to play. Um you know, I just kind of got lazy this week, I guess, because I Dude. plenty of days I could have gone out to the range. New clubs, man. Get out there. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, once I get them, I'll be playing every day. Yeah. What are you going to do if you step up to your first I'm shot and it is just the old-fashioned double cross? <laughs> and then uh, I'm going to immediately go to the range. I'm going to say, fellas, thanks for the round, but uh, i got some things to work on. <laughs> I'm surprised they tried to fit or put you into a uh, P760 because those are getting discontinued as well. Because they tailor made yeah. well, just launched their new lines. I think that was the thing. Today, like, or he wanted to give me in them just to just to see if if it was going to be something I was going to be interested in. Did you like them though? Were they were they nice clubs? I love. I, okay. I, I, I've been looking at them. I like the the style of them, but I, looking down, they didn't really fit my eye. And then just as far as contact goes and swinging them, I didn't really like them. Uh, I just felt like the Callaway Apex Pros, I liked the look of them. They were kind of similar to the X-Forge minus the the lines on the back of the X-Forge. So it was kind of that still kind of like indention up up at the top that kind of forms like an X. It was really cool. I, I'm I'm really excited for them to come in. I'm I'm really looking forward to it. But so overall good experience. Overall good experience. Was that your first club fitting, right? It was technically my second one. My my first one was like I was a sophomore in high school, and my brother hooked me up at a Highland okay. to uh, to get a fitting. And uh, so the first one since you've actually been like diagnosing your game. Oh yeah, you spent a little time in the PGM program at Methodist, so now you like know a lot more information than you do now. Yeah, so definitely, way I, better. I felt like me and him had a connection because we were tossing you know some information back and forth that like was. I was telling him things about my game that helped him diagnose what I was what I was fighting. So, which is huge because I feel like, like if you're just like beginning straight out of the gate and you're like, oh, let me go get fitted for some clubs, it's like, what are you supposed to tell the guy? You don't know what your ball fight's going to do. You could shank it right, and then the next one you're going to shank it left. So it's just like now that you have an understanding of your game, you know what you're doing. I feel like that club fitting experience just raises the roof a little bit more. Well, if I was like, if I was wildly inconsistent going into it, and on the projector I was going right, 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 left, 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 right, right, left, left, straight, like it would be much harder for him to diagnose it. Yeah. But but since I had a, a pretty consistent miss of you know pulling it left a little bit, he was able to be like, all right, let's try this, let's get you into different shafts, because I think the shafts I were playing were like the 118, 118 grams. He put me into 125 grams, which kind of balanced a few things out. It was it honestly it was a good learning experience too because there were things about the golf club that I didn't really think would affect it that end up do so it was a really cool experience uh, shout out to the guys over at Pro Golf here in Wilmington um, really helped me out I'm looking forward to getting the clubs in Perfect. nice Sab loves Team Callaway I'm Team Callaway all the way yeah 
Yeah, I, carry, I only carry three clubs that are that not would Callaway. Make a great my product is a thing, and then my two hybrids are Taylor made. Everything else, Team Callaway all the way. That that's pretty much how it's going to be for my bag now, except for driver, uh, five wood wedges and putter. Nice. That's cool, man. Excited for you. Yeah, I'm excited to. Uh, I'll I'll do a reveal on the Instagram once they come in. Because I'm gonna be super excited. I'm pumped. Yes, sir. I might I might need Sam McCauley to dub over it though. Oh, unbelievable! Jakob 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 Jenster with his new wrenches. Unbelievable. Yeah. So uh, so let's go talk about the BGBC Cup. Carmen, let us know where we're at right now. All right. So uh, for the BGBC Cup, obviously we'll do a quick rundown. The rules are a bit different this week because it was a major week. Um. So we each picked five guys for the entire season, uh, and we score points based on where they finish. So typically it is for first place, you get 100 points. Second place, you get 70. Uh, a top – or not second place, a top five, you get 70. A top 10, you get 30. Top 20, you get 15. If you miss a cut, it's minus 20. Now everything is doubled in the major, um, and – we do have a provision in there that and this is going to be the first week that's come into play. You can buy out a cut for a player for two bucks into the pot. But once you do that, that player, you can no longer use it again. Um, so <clears throat> jumping into it this week, obviously, congrats to Colin Morikawa with a really impressive win. So he is Team Jacob. Uh, and we'll we'll dive more into these players after we run through the standings. Um, so Jacob, also Bryson had a top five finish. So you had 340 points on the week, uh, which brings you to 590 on the season. Uh, I had a pretty good week. I mean, I had uh, <clears throat> DJ finish tied for second. Go figure. I mean, the dude's a king of second place finishes at majors. Uh, Tony Finau was top five as well. He played well. Another guy who's king of top fives. Xander with the top 10. Uh, John Rahm sneaking in with the top 20. Ricky Fowler, I mean, we'll dive into him later. He missed the cut. I will be buying out his cut. Um, so he is basically out on his own at this point now. If he misses another cut, that's it. I can't do anything more with him. Which is going to happen. But, uh, it's, uh, it's a tough scene for sure right now. But all in all, Really happy with my week. Uh, technically, I won the week with 370, uh, which takes me to 710 on the season. Josh, boy, <laughs> this was a tough week for you, man. Uh, you scored 30 points, um, which brings you to 305 on the season. Patrick Reed was able to sneak into that top 20. But uh, other than that, your guys just were not in San Francisco. They missed their flight. So that's where we're at. Uh, so I'm still in the lead, but Jacob cut into that quite a bit. Uh, Josh, you're going to need a big week coming up. Granted, you're going to have a chance to get some points back. Uh, I don't have anyone in the field next week, and Jacob, you've only got one. And Josh, you've got three guys in the field. So it's going to be a big <laughs> I think it's crucial for this, for Josh, for Josh, one of Josh, for Webb, Abe, or um, Patrick Reed to win this week for you. Um I mean, worst case scenario, like I think Brooks is playing also. Um, so if like Brooks wins, uh, that would be. Of me. Uh, but um, I would, I would, uh, you know, 
stay stay on course this week, but I would look to cash in that uh, that change out that you won earlier in the year. And um, you know, if you're asking Sav, um, Mr. Jason Day, I think he's peaking right now. I think he's putting well. I think he's kind of working his way back. He does not look. He looked injured about two, two, three weeks ago. He, he's looked a lot better the last two weeks. Um, if Sav's throwing somebody out there for you, Jason Day, Justin Rose, they sit out there. They're really consistent. Um, I mean, you've got a good team, man. But um, I think, I mean, if, if, you're, at, if you're asking me, I think, um, I think Abe Answer's got to go. He's just not consistent enough. Um, Patrick Reed, even though you've gotten the dog for that pick, man, like you said, he, he, he's, he did this week what you picked him for. He just kind of hung around and then boom, he, you know, he, he top 10 it for you. He's the only one that scores your points. Uh, Webb always plays well at Sedgefield where the um, tournament is this upcoming week. So he's a North Carolina boy. He's played that course a million times. So, um, I like, I mean, I, I, I like Webb. I think he has a chance this week for sure. So. Um, just throwing that out there, you know, a little sad, sad fatherly advice. Um, your team sucks. Do something. <laughs> yeah, we're uh, we're hitting the drawing board. I mean, we all stood on the edge of the uh, the bridge in San Francisco and really thought and hard about if we needed to jump or not. But um, <laughs> but we reeled it in. Decided we'd go to the locker room instead, and you know, we had a little pep talk. And going forward, you know, there's a lot of golf left. A lot of things can happen. So. We'll see how it goes because, I mean, yeah. if Justin Thomas – because if Justin Thomas and Webb Simpson show up, I mean, it's a completely different week for me. Oh, so, for sure. Uh, and know, when I text you – And it is what it is. Uh, when, I, well, I, when I text you on Saturday morning when just Justin Thomas birdied five of the first seven holes. Yeah, you and jinxed I was like, me? Yeah, I, I, I jinxed you bad, man. He goes and bogeys the next two holes. I was like, Justin Thomas is playing his way right back into this thing. And, of course, you know, the sad jinx. My bad, dude. So, Josh, obviously you didn't have the week you wanted. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your players, how they performed, what maybe you saw that went wrong for them. I mean, Patrick Reed, super proud of him. I mean, stepped up big for me. Nobody likes him. I love him. Way to go. But the other guys, you know, they just could never get it clicking. I mean, Cantley's been struggling the past couple weeks, so that was kind of expected. Same with Answer. But, you know, Justin Thomas Webb Simpson, you know, they really did shock me because it's major week. They're supposed to be stepping up, all gears running, and they kind of just let it fall through. I mean, granted, really tough course. Obviously, everybody else had to play it too, and, you know, y'all's teams thrived. But they just never really could get it running and kind of were the downfall themselves, you know, just letting play get away from them. Like, like I mean, like Patrick said, you know, like he went very birdie, and then all of a sudden, you know, he's bogey and holes. So it's just like it was an up-and-down battle the whole week for the squad. And you know we're hit, we're hitting the drawing board. We're we're gonna stay we're gonna stay positive. We're gonna stay calm. We're gonna stay cool. And you know, like we said, we got that big sub coming up. So we'll see. You know, I'm gonna talk with Sav a little bit more on the side, and we'll see when we need to place that and you know make a little jump and run. You know, I think I think it's a really smart play from the gaffer to uh, stay that calm and make sure that everything's cool and collected. You know, you don't want to cut anybody just yet, but you're lighting a fire under your guys saying, listen, if, if it comes to another week like this where you guys don't perform where I want you to, we might we might have to look in a different direction. When it's our time, it's our time. So, Carmen, how do you think your guys played? Uh, I mean, I'm satisfied with it. Obviously, look, I mean, we're just going to get the, the elephant <laughs> in the room. I mean, it. I think it pains us all to watch Ricky Fowler go through this. I mean, I know he's on my team, so it works out for you guys, but 
I think we're. I mean, Patrick, I don't know where you stand on Ricky Fowler. I, I think it's hard to not. Yeah, be a fan. I, I mean, um, he's he's but, so likable. I mean, I don't know anybody who's like, man, Ricky Fowler's a douche. Right. Like, I've never heard anybody say that in my life. So, um, but yeah, to me, like back when he won the players, you know, you, you were like that was supposed to be the springboard to him winning a major, and then you know the following year he competed at Augusta. You know, he brought it down. Um, but the year Patrick Reed won you know, kind of brought it down to the last, you know, holes, a few holes, and, you know, he just couldn't get it done. He's too good of a putter, in my opinion, not to win a major. Um, but his swing is so right. uncoordinated right now. There's no way – I mean, the other – you know, the guys – the other guys on tour are just too good. He's not going to win swinging like that. So, I mean, I like your move buying out his cut this, this week for sure. Um, but there are some sneaky players out there. I don't know if you, you know, if you earn or can buy out, you know, if he continues down this path, you know, the seasons, you guys are finishing up at Augusta. I mean, we're running out of golf. So, you know, you might consider a move, even though you're, you know, you're in the lead, you know, you might need somebody clutch down the, down the, because if he's playing like this, he's not going to be playing those last few weeks in the turn in the uh, FedEx Right. You know, it's – I've thought about it. You, there is a rule where you can buy an extra player. Um, so, it's it's on my mind as much as I'm paying to do it. It's just like – you're right. I mean, he's still one of the best putters in the game. And his short game is really good too. But he's just going through the throws of a swing change. And it's – he has to do it, and he's committed to it. And I think he even understands that this year is just – it's kind of a wash as far as that goes. So, you know, you hope that he kind of starts to, to reap the benefits of a swing change, but I don't know. It was it was tough, and that duff little six incher was mm-hmm. just his season in a nutshell. I mean, they, you can't you can't draw it up You're right. If a putt that. defined a golfer season, that that duffed <laughs> putt defines Ricky Fowler in twenty twenty. Yeah, I mean. If you just look on the look on his face, that, like, that yeah, putt that, defines that 2020 I mean, just, in just in general. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, but no, I mean, other than Ricky, I I had a good week again. DJ, and I mean, this is kind of a separate conversation, but he could again took the lead into Sunday, seemingly like every major he's up there, and just he didn't play bad golf, but he just. It didn't ever seem like he was really excited to be out there and he didn't really attack the golf course. He can play – DJ can play some really boring golf, and that's – in a way, that's a compliment, right, that he doesn't make a ton of mistakes and he just goes after the holes. But, you know, was able to, to get a tied for second. If he's able to take advantage of that par four, I think a tenth, you know, we're talking about a little bit different story when a guy like DJ is hunting you down, maybe more Kawa looks over his shoulder a little bit. Um but again, I mean, it's hard to be upset with another top th- uh, second finish. I mean, it's a little bit picky, but uh, Tony Finau Solid. does what he does. Top five finishes. He probably had the best Sunday he's had at a major, though. His biggest issue is he'll play great the first three days and then just struggle on Sunday, kind of shoot even par or a couple over. But shot four under. Man, he was just so close on a lot of those long putts. I mean, you can't make those, can't make them all, but he was right there. Um, played really well. Played 
pro- he was probably the second best player that day. I mean, there's uh, you know more cowardice went out there and took it, but I'm happy with the top four, or top five from Xander. I'll be honest, I was a little disappointed. I mean, again, hard to be mad at top ten, but I thought he was really going to go a after strong and candidate. Uh, go get it. Strong candidate. Good Thursday. Yeah, yeah, but just Thursday or Friday and Saturday just kind of lackluster. Kicked it in the gear a little bit uh, yesterday, though. And then, no, I was just going to say, yeah, go was, I mean, I agree with you 100% on that. I mean, he just had, I mean, he just played four solid rounds of golf. He didn't, he didn't play great golf for, you need to have two right. great rounds um, to win a major, in my opinion. And he just didn't play well enough. I know he was everyone's pick for sure to try to, you know, to try to take the, uh, to win his first major. Um, he, he's definitely on um, in my top three as far as to break through and win a major for this year. Um, I loved his performance at the Masters last year when he, when he finished second. And he was going to be my pick, you know, in April to break through and win the Masters. Now I got to see how things play out because we're playing the Masters in November this year, you know, which, which puts some different things into play. No one's ever played, you know, that tournament's not played that time of year. So the course may be slightly different for sure. But, um, you know, he, he, he's, a, he's going to be a solid member of your team for sure. Um, I'm just so dis, I'm just so disappointed in, in Dustin Johnson, man. He, he, he just, he's not a closer, man. He's definitely not a closer. Um, he's, he's, you know, he's 2016. He, he wins the U S open. I, when he won at Oakmont in 2016, I think it was just simply because he was just so much longer than everyone at that time. You know, the, he was like the original bomber, I would guess. You know, Tiger Woods is probably that guy, but then J- Dustin was hitting it miles, and everyone's kind of, you know, slowly molded into that. Hey, you know, the bombers are the ones who are winning everything. But, you know, another second-place finish, you know, looks like he could care less. I mean, you know, comes off the course. Paulina gives him yeah. a nice little hug, which is a good consolation prize. But, you know, <laughs> good for Christ's sake, you know, Dustin, I mean, I, I mean – I know you guys have probably seen that guy, um, Connor Sketches, the guy that does that stuff. He does yeah, impression. Oh God, he, 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 he is yeah. so spot on um, doing a Dustin Johnson impression. And I just, I mean, he's a good, he's a good player. I mean, he, I think he obviously he has the skill set to win another major. I mean, he should have two U.S. U.S. Opens under his belt. I mean, we talk about this Jordan Speed thing every year at the PGA Championship. I mean, Jordan should be two away. I mean. DJ at Chambers Bay gave him the tournament. Yeah. Absolutely gave him the tournament by three yeah. putting 18. You know, your, your, your hot wife and, and Wayne Gretzky, the hottest, the, the, I mean, the, uh, the best <laughs> hockey player, the best hockey player of all time, uh, sitting there watching you on 18 and three putt. Uh, I just don't know, man. I just, I mean, he just, that killer instinct that we like relate to like Michael Jordan and so on yeah. and so forth, but whatever, man. Um, he just—he doesn't have that dog in him. He just never puts his foot down. Because you look and you through the front nine yesterday, he was just making comfy par after comfy par, and you're just like, all right, when is he going to just put the hammer down and run away with it? Because it was his to lose. I mean, there were so many gettable holes out there for him, and he just never did. He made a few birdies down the stretch, but and it, it's just he doesn't have that. Josh, you're a big energy guy, but I think. You know, and it, it's not even that he has to be this huge personality. Show a little he's going to be who he is, but yeah, just kind of bear down a little bit and go out there and take it. You're one of the most talented players on, in, on the tour. You can't. I mean, that's not arguable. I mean, he's won 21 times. 
a ton of WGC events. So he can win big events with loaded fields. It's just, I think he's got that like opposite of Brooks Kepka, where Brooks only wants to show up for majors. Dustin just kind of shows up and like, oh, we're just are we playing the Travelers again? I mean, it's just, it's it's frustrating to watch because you want to see the most talented yeah, guys win. But you definitely wish he had know, again, that. Uh... Like Second step on your throat mentality for sure. Listen, DJ, if you're listening exactly. to this for some yep. reason, I mean, your brother treated you well for a while, but Caddy J is always available. Caddy Josh. Caddy Josh <laughs> going to make his tour debut. Um, so, yeah, so I'll talk about my team a little bit. Obviously, super stoked for Colin yep. Morikawa. Gets his second win of the season. First major, though, I think – you know, a couple of weeks ago, I had this discussion where I said that I'm sick of commentators saying after a major win or a big victory that they're the next superstar. But I genuinely think that there's a buzz around this guy, that he, he could really turn into uh, a superstar if, if he even isn't already. I mean, he mm-hmm. makes all the cuts. He's only missed one. I mean, he's won twice already. Three times, excuse me. So, I mean, I think – I, curse of the commentator, maybe, but he could be the next big thing. Um, I yeah, I mean, I, I think that's he's as talented as anybody out there. Um, he's what been on tour for basically a year now, and he's already won three. So yeah, I mean, it's I am a little bit. I think pump the brakes. I've already seen articles out there. Is Colin Morikawa the next Tiger Woods? Yeah. Like, yeah, I, I don't want. I don't want to go Woods. that. Like that's an unfair discussion, right? But yeah, but yeah I think I also think Bryson Shambo makes a statement uh, about you know his style of play. Finishes with the top five at, at the major after uh, his weight gain for the season. I think that's a statement maker. I'm glad Adam Scott comes in just shy of a top twenty finish, but now that he's stateside, like Patrick was saying earlier, I think that he kind of puts some good rounds together. Maybe gets a win, but I think he he's going to be consistent top twenty, top ten material. Uh, what a swaggy sweater you wore on the first day. That, yeah, that pale yellow is dope. Yeah, obviously, my biggest disappointment, Brooks. I mean, I love mean, to just, see that. Uh, just an unreal performance. <laughs> love to see it. Unreal performance, but like, and it has nothing to do with him being on your team. But my no, but look, first I, I kind of renewed. I, I'm this glad that you we'll get that, into that. I think later. that this was definitely a humbling experience for him. I hope I hope he takes this with a grain of salt because so. he kind of got what he deserved, 100 percent after the comments that he made. Yeah. Um. So I'm disappointed in the way that he played, but I think it's going to be good for him moving forward. That maybe he's just a little bit more conscious about what he's saying. You know, I think that ever since he started winning a lot, he's got this mentality that he can do and say whatever he wants, and it's just not the way that he should uh, approach his career. And then. Obviously, there's a little bit of beef in the camp. You know, Rory made a mar- made some remarks about Brooks afterwards. Uh, I had to split them up in the locker room. Um, so, Rory finished that two under, tied for 33rd. He just hadn't been putting together a good uh, season this season. But, you know, he he's still top in the world. Like, the, you can't deny his talent, but he's just not performed the way I wanted him to, especially not for one of my superstars. But – I'm, yeah, and another fact is that he's accepting it. I mean, he, I think yeah. he even made a comment in one of those things where he's like, you know, maybe I'm just not as – which, I mean, you know, maybe he's, like, downplaying well, it a little bit because, obviously, he's Rory McIlroy. 
But it's like, you know, he's accepting that he's got some faults right now and he's got some things to figure out. And he's not going out there saying, like, Brooks. So, you know, like, Brooks is saying, like, he's 100% ready to fire on all systems. And he's getting stretched out in the middle of his round. So, it's like, you're not 100%. It's like, if you're 100%, then you're walking down that fairway ready to go. And instead, you're struggling. And now you're talking out of your ass on Saturday or interviews. And then you're not backing it up on Sunday. So, it's like, golf's a gentleman's game. Let's be a gentleman. Let's have some respect for the other guys. And then let's keep it moving forward and let your playing talk instead of you talking. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, I- yeah, I mean, no one was hurt worse by the coronavirus in no. golf than Rory McIlroy because he was so hot before the break. I mean, you were talking about almost basically a shoe-in to win in Augusta the way he was playing. Um, and then comes back, and he is just he just hasn't played well at all. Um, he's always very candid about where he's at in his life and his game. He's still only 30. Like, I, I do think that. Maybe he's accepting, yeah, yeah, I have to change the way I play. I do think that comment of maybe I'm just not as good is made a little sarcastically because he's been asked about it so much over and over again. Um, but, again, he's a guy who can turn it on on the drop. I mean, he's end, just you – know I, I mean? think he was just riding too much of that Peloton bike during quarantine. <laughs> For sure. Yeah, I mean, I think Rory, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, you can kind of um, associate his young career and his, his like his jump out winning – you know, winning four majors to like, you know, I, I'm also a big, big hater on when it comes to the, the media jumping out and, you know, and crowning the next Tiger Woods per se, like um, Mr. Common said. Uh, right. Colin Morikawa, he's a great player. He hasn't missed, the, you know, he won the PGA Championship. You got a major on his belt. You're 23. You know, you haven't missed, you haven't missed the cut. You've already won three times, but. I want to see him in the Ryder Cup. I want to see him in the President's Cup. I want to see him under that pressure. I want to see him, you know, I want to see him at Augusta. I want to see him at those those big venues. I want to see what he does next next uh, month at, at Wingfoot. Um, see how he bounces back before, you know. I know because you see these droughts. You see these one wins and then these long droughts for players. Um, and I just, you know, he – I agree he's a great player, but – we're not going to crown his ass, you know. <laughs> I'm not going to crown him yet. I need to see some things from him. Now he goes out and win, wins next month um, and wins back-to-back majors, you know. I still think he has a little convincing to do because, you know, Brooks is kind of the same way. You know, Rory did that early, and he's had a long, long gap between wins. I think it's, not, what, four or five, maybe it's six years now. Um, yeah, Brooks is, uh, six, yeah. you know, Brooks has won the majors, but he hasn't performed well in other tournaments, which is kind of – you know, crazy to think about, like, hey, you just show up for the majors. Um, but it's, you know, it's one of those things where I'm just not going to, I'm not going to crown Colin quite yet. I mean, I think he's, a, I think it was a great pick, Jacob, for sure. I mean, he was kind of a ballsy pick because, I mean, he, a lot, you know, we know golf, we know him, but, you know, there's a lot of other golfers out there that you can know. Maybe, you know, this guy's kind of on my radar, but, you know, I'm going to maybe snag somebody who's got a little bit more pedigree been out there a little bit longer. So um, I just – I hope he continues down that path. He seems like a real likable kid. Um, I want Rory to get back on track, man. The game is better when he's out there firing for sure. Hopefully he comes back, um, you know, performs well next month uh, in New York and then comes back in November ready to try to tackle that career grand slam one more time at um, Augusta National. Yeah, for me, it was a really easy pick to pick Colin, though, because, you know, living in Fayetteville, we grew up with him. Uh, 
for us, we knew him as Robert Reed, but it was uh, it was really cool watching him grow up and turn into the golfer that he's become. I was, I was wondering. <laughs> really cool watching him turn into the golfer that he's become. Doppelganger. Doppelganger. No, I I give you a ton of credit for that pick because I mean I knew who he was, but he wasn't really on my radar. Uh, I think I said it like at the draft, like you know, obviously a ton of talent, but wasn't really the known quantity. Uh, and I think like at the time, I don't think you could have predicted that he would do this, but you obviously had enough confidence in him that he was going to come out and get you some points. But it's it's going to be a lot of fun to watch kind of that next generation, that group of him, Matthew Wolf, who had a great finish yesterday, and then Victor Hovland, who, as far as raw talent goes, might have the most of the three. Colin Morikawa is clearly the most polished player um, of those three. Get a little bit of, like, Jordan Spieth in him. Like, young Jordan Spieth, great ball striker, come out, have a ton of success early. Let's hope he doesn't have a downfall like Jordan Spieth. But I don't know. I think there is some yeah, similarities there. Jordan's getting hard to watch. I am the uh, complete opposite yeah, of because team. if you didn't pick Colin Morikawa, he was coming on my team. So, one, I am – Super jealous because man, what a difference that would have literally been. one pick away. What literally one pick away from changing my season around, as everybody <laughs> can see. But you know, we're not gonna, we're not gonna live in the past. It is what it is. But and you know, I'm not taking anything away from Colin Morikawa with this next comment at all because you know, hats off to him. Great ball striker, great player. I mean, when in doubt, you have to step up, and that's what he did this past week. But you can't tell me that fans don't change these tournaments because. Because that 16th tee shot could have yeah. gone completely the other way if fans are lined up on that motherfucker and you just see thousands of faces and, you know, maybe he doesn't step up and hit that shot, you know. And obviously you can say that for every player. But, you know, now that he is getting these wins, you know, it's almost good for his career going forward because now he's settling in and he knows that he can play against these people. So when the fans do come back, he's already settled in and he's going to keep going on all systems. But if the fans were here right now, I mean, this could go either way. So, I mean, I'm, I'm, I mean, as a fan, I'm missing the fans because, I mean, you miss the roars, you miss everything else. You know, I think Justin Thomas is a big dude that feeds off the fans and can really step up and play good in front of a crowd. So, I mean, you see a lot of these players, you know, up and down, up and down from week to week where these fans really do change the game. So, to have this major championship without the fans, I mean, hats off to Colin. But it would have been a complete game changer for sure. I think that's definitely key, especially yeah. at the one day. Because you're, yeah. if you're telling me that JT drains yeah. a 50 footer, not only does he let out a big yell, but the not- whole freaking crowd does. Colin's shaking in his boots. I don't know if he makes that putt, let alone going to beat him in the next one. Exactly. And then you just like change so many things. I mean, I mean, and it is what it is. I mean, you still have to show up, you still have to play. Everybody does. I mean, the tour is having to do what the tour has to do. I mean, fuck COVID, fuck 2020. But I mean, I'm excited to see if he can perform in front of the fans as well. I mean, I know he did get his first win. Uh, what is it? The Puerto Rico open or no, no, but, the Bar- the Bar- but he won the Barracuda. I mean, that was in front of fans and whatnot. But his other two wins came without fans when he sat on that <laughs> and whatnot. So I think it changes it. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think – who knows, Like, I definitely believe the outcome is different. Now, does that mean he doesn't win it? Who knows? But you're talking about fans. Even if he hits that tee shot on 16, then all of a sudden, like, so many other things come into play. The crowd would be going absolutely bonkers like everyone else was at home. Maybe he gets a little bit too amped up. 
doesn't read the putt as well, overanalyzes it. Granted, I was really impressed with how aggressive he stayed from that putt on. Because I sent a text in the group chat, and I was serious by it. I thought he was going to come up short on that putt, obviously get the bird, and then bogey one of the last two holes, and all of a sudden it's a different game. But he stayed aggressive. He didn't try to shy away. I think that's an issue that a lot of golfers, especially when they're not in the final group and they're leading, they try to get too conservative. And then all of a sudden they leave themselves in the rough and and put themselves in bad spots. But he almost did on that last tee shot, but he went right after the flag. Oh, not tee shot. Last <laughs> he thought he pulled 18. it left, though. Oh, yeah. he, let go, he let go of that. Club. Yeah, when he, he did that, I thought. He had an old-fashioned Jacob Dempster drop the club in the backswing. Man, he my heart sank when he did that because I, I could tell it was going left based off the way he was lined up for the shot. He was trying to draw it in there. I thought he overcooked yeah. it and was going way left. I was like, oh, my God, no, it didn't. That could have been a big number because that rough on that yep, green it, was tough. I mean, you're talking about bringing six into play and then going into that. I mean, that could have been – obviously ended yeah. up being actually a really nice shot. Um, but, again, a, an easy thing to do would have been go for the big part of the green with a long two-putt, but he stayed aggressive, and that's that's impressive. So that kind of gives me a little bit of, all right, maybe he can handle that heat with the fans, but – but we'll see. But it doesn't take anything away. There is no asterisk by the major or anything like that. He still had to go out there, and he went and took it. No one gave it to him. So For that sure. was, it was I mean, a really impressive thing to watch. I mean, even Paul Casey, I mean, world-class act in his interview, you know, he was like, you know, tip, tip the hat to I mean, look at the guys that he beat. He beat Paul Casey, Dustin Johnson, Matt Wolf, Jason Day, Bryson DeChambeau, Tony Finau. Those are like the top couple guys right up there on the top of the leaderboards. I mean, that's huge to go out there and dominate those guys that who are experienced and ready to run. I mean, minus Matt Wolf, who's also a rookie, but the rest of the guys, I mean, they're all major winners and big tournament winners and been on tour for a while. And, you know, he ran right up through them and did what he had to do. So, I mean, hats off to him, but missing the fans for sure. Yeah, yeah. for sure. That, so, that fan aspect absolutely. of things is definitely going to be interesting as we go into 2021 as to – you know, maybe, you know, that conversation is definitely going to come up if, you know, somebody who performed really well without the fans there kind of falls off and then vice versa. Um, Jason Day was big on that in his, you know, post-round interview as far as he, you know, he's clearly said that, you know, some people have the mental capacity to compete with the fans and then it rattles other people um, a lot more than it does some. So it's going to be interesting to see. Obviously, we don't know any of them personally, so we don't know how, how the, the crowds affect any of them. They've all been playing with, you know, the crowds around them their whole life for the most part, even in, you know, junior and amateur golf, there's pretty, probably pretty decent crowds out there, but nothing like there would have been yesterday. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how when we go into 2021, if somebody falls off, if that becomes a conversation as to why. Yeah. Cause I mean, even, I think Paul Casey said it, he admitted, he said, you know, I'm going to get helped by no fans. Because he's never – he's not really – he's always up towards the leaderboard. I mean, he's had a nice career, but he's never in the group that has a big gallery. And he was playing with Brooks. So, if there was fans out there, his round is a whole lot different. Now, he still might shoot and finish 11 under. But he was very open about, you know, that certainly helps me stay calm. And I'm sure there are a ton of guys yeah. out there like Well, that. the last thing I want to talk about before we move on to the Wyndham is – Tiger Woods' performance in the championship. What did you guys take away from this week? I I thought it was what I expected, something like that. I mean, he made the cut. He had a nice round on Sunday. I didn't predict he'd win because it was going to be – the conditions weren't great. It was really tough. 
Uh, they weren't great for really, him out there. Really tough. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, no, I mean, I, he looked healthy. Uh, he still made some nice shots. He didn't putt very well. He was using a new putter a little bit longer. I like that so he doesn't have to bend over as much. It's a, it is a good move. I think he's just going to have to ride it out. I mean, that's the best thing if he's going to want to compete for another few years. I mean, with the back issues he's got, he needs all the help he can get. But, no, I mean, it was good to see him out there. He competed for a while. Had a tough day on, you know, Friday, Saturday, but finished nicely on Sunday. So, it's always good to see the big cat in action. I mean, I think we've just gotten to a point now, especially with golf commentators or whatnot, where everybody's on the Tiger wave, obviously. I mean, it's Tiger Woods. Gotta love him. But it's like, you know, Tiger isn't the same guy anymore. You know, he is, he does have back problems. He does have to change his clubs and make them longer and do different things. And, you know, he was even talking about how he had to layer up properly in the colder weather in San Francisco to be able to complete and to be able to compete and keep the back going and whatnot. And, you know, I think every week that he competes, it doesn't need to be like Tiger Woods is going to run it. He's going to he's going to win it. This is the week. This is the week. This is the week. Because, you know, I definitely think it will come. Like, 83 is going to come. Like, it's Tiger Woods. He's going to do it. I'm manifesting it, and I know that he can do it. But I think it keeps getting overhyped every week to where it's like, holy shit, Tiger's playing. Like, he's going to win it, blah, 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 blah. But it's like, that's not the truth anymore. It's like, you know, it's just going to take a special week, one uh, one of these weeks coming up, for him to get the 83. But every week he competes, it's not going to be where he's the top cat anymore. Yeah, I'll be honest. I, I was just – happy that he made the cut uh that's kind of all i expected from him um for him for him to even be in the top 40 i was pretty pleased if he made it inside the top 20 i was going to be ecstatic i mean i thought that that was probably the best he was going to be able to do uh so he kind of finished right around where i expected i mean tied for 37 not too bad he had some shaky rounds to start but he he fired off a good 300 round on sunday and I, i think that's that's a good thing moving forward for him Definitely. I'm. You guys know, you know, Sav's theory was Tiger was going to miss the cut um, just because of the weather. And that was a real, um, you know, that take is really big on just because when you have back issues and you can't get loose, um, it's hard to swing a golf club, man. And, you know, especially at the level he needs to play at. And that was big at um, World Port Rush in Ireland uh, last year at the uh, – um, or a couple last year at the uh, Open Championship, it was very similar weather, windy, cold, and that course beat him up. I mean, you know, Shane Lowry, you know, ran away with that tournament, won his Open, and you know, the Irish boy won it in Ireland for sure. But um, that kind of beat him up. That kind of beat him up, and I was just like, you know, I don't think he's going to be able to win in that weather anymore, um, and that was kind of hard for me to admit because when everyone said, Hey, is Tiger back? Is is, is when's Tiger going to get back? When's Tiger going to get back? And he finally wins at Augusta last year. The big thing with that for me is I always said, if Tiger's going to come back and win a major, it's going to be at one of two. It's going to be either at the open championship. And the reason for that is because I think the Lynx golf plays to his game a little bit better. You know, he can hit that two iron. He can hit that stinger out there, you know, let the ball run. And he's obviously, you know, his, his iron play and his putting is some of the best ever, anyone's ever seen. So I thought that might be a tournament he could potentially win, um, which he competed um, for sure against, you know, when Francesco won a few years ago. He was, he was competitive in that Open Championship. And then obviously he wins at Augusta just because he knows that course so well. Um, I don't think he'll win a U.S. Open. Um, 
the PGA tries to try to, you know, Harding Park was a little bit different, but for the most part, they're, you know, they're bouncing off venues, um, you know, from the U.S. Open as well. So there may be, you know, a U.S. They try to make it tough per se. I thought the course setup this week was great. I thought there was, you know, court holes that were gettable. I liked it so much more than like the USGA does at the, at the open where um, it's almost impossible. And the guys are making bogey after bogey. I don't like watching that for sure. Um, so hopefully, you know, hopefully Tiger stays healthy. Hopefully he does well in the FedEx. Um, I'd love to see him, you know, I'd love to see him be competitive at Wingfoot. That course is extremely difficult. Uh, I don't think he wins there. Um, obviously, he always has a shot at Augusta. I, think, I don't think he wins there either. I just think it's going to be the talk and Tiger repeat and Tiger repeat. It's going to get so old um, that it kind of just grinds on him. He, you know, the king of grinding is just going to get worn down by that. And I don't think he wins. But I did enjoy his performance this week. I mean, the putter was not there. You know, when the putter's not there, he's not going to win. And, right. um, you know, people, oh, he changed putter, he changed putter. You know, he's been, you know, he's going to have to change putter. His back, his, you know, he went to a 35-inch putter, and he's going to have to do that because his back's not the same. So he'll work it out. I don't think, um, you know, the, the greens looked faster than they putted, which is, which is a comment I think he made. And when, you know, he's definitely a feel. He doesn't – he he reads greens in a, in, in a much different way than most people do, and – I think when they look faster than they actually are, you know, that's why he came up short a whole bunch. And that was ultimately his downfall. Happy that he made the cut. Glad to see him get four rounds in a major championship under his belt. Again, you know, look forward to next month. And um, it's always better when the big cat's out there. I mean, he was golf when I was growing up and, you know, watching golf a lot. Um, he, it, it was, you know, there was, you know, sports books taking bets tiger woods or the field and you would get every other player but tiger woods and people would lose those bets so um <laughs> another good week from the big cat i hope um you know hope to see him competitive because the golf world just goes nuts when he does so uh good week yeah yeah and i think there's there may be nobody who is helped more by crowds than tiger woods because he has always had them and there is that that feel or that vibe around him on Sundays at majors, where if he's in the hunt, there's a different energy through the crowd. Anything he does, he makes a par. The place goes nuts. So there is that Tiger effect that right now, yeah, that's you're not going to have without the fans. So you're not going to be, you're not going to hear him basically stalking you down like Francesco did last year at the Masters. Like you can't tell me that he didn't send those shots. In part because he knew. Yeah, I think Tiger the has the bet. You know, the crowds. What the crowds do for Tiger more than anything. I think Tiger has one of the best abilities to drown them out and just play his game. And the crowds, you know, leech onto the people he's playing with and the people around him. And that's you know how it's been for years because the crowds are so insane. Like even when he when he when he got he was back and he won at the Tour Championship in Atlanta a few years ago. Like Rory, did you, like you could just go back and look at the video and look at Rory's face when all those people are like running up behind him. I, Rory was scared out of his damn mind. I thought he, he was gonna be, <laughs> I thought he was gonna die. Like he was like, okay, this is what it's really like. This is what it's like to be like Tiger. And he, you know, that's the Tiger effect. I mean, it's not so much the, that he draws his energy off the crowd. I think he's focused on what he does, but I think the crowd just simply takes the players he's 
competing against out of their game. Like Francesco last year, like you're right, he completely melted down. Um, you know, he didn't give the tournament to Tiger per se, but, you know, he, he played himself out of it for sure, Carlos. Yeah, he opened the door for him for sure. Yeah, so, I mean, I'm looking forward to Tiger for the rest of the season. Uh, hopefully, like you say, he plays good at the majors coming up. I'm, I'm kind of with Patrick. I don't know if he plays as well at Augusta in November as he normally would in April, strictly for weather reasons. I mean, I know it's still Georgia in, in November. I mean, it's still probably get, get cold enough to where he might have to layer up like he did this week. But moving on to the Wyndham, it is time for the picks. I want to know who do you want to win? Who do you think will win? And we'll start with our honorary guest, Sad McCauley. Who do you got? All right, Wyndham Championship, um, Sedgefield Country Club, Greensboro, North Carolina, beautiful course. Um, Sad McCauley will be driving up there because um, it's very close. Um, <laughs> so hopefully I will get my press pass this week. Um, but Sedgefield Country Club, Wyndham, um, who do I want to win? Um, you know what? This, this guy, he's kind of grown on me a little bit. I think he's just kind of – I think he's kind of just a goofball. He's kind of out there like whatever. Um, I, who I'd love to see win, Carol, North Carolina boy, Harold Barner III. I'd love to see him win. He's like – he's 89th in the points. He needs a good finish, a good win to kind of boost himself up there to secure his um, playoff spot for the long run. I think this win will do that for him. I'd love for – definitely would love to see him win. Um, Webb's won this event before. Um, so, you know, the Carolina boys, they definitely – you know, have an advantage as far as playing this place multiple times. Uh, Varner knows this course. I think um, I, I would love to see him win. I just, you know, I, I you know, the, the Jordan, uh, the Jordan brand, I, I'm surprised there's not more golfers wearing the Jordan brand. Uh, maybe, you know, maybe Mike has a little bit of influence on that, but uh, you know, I just, I like just watching just the shoes, I mean, those golf cleats are uh, – those spikes are unbelievable. I love them. Uh, just they, – they kind of suit my style. So, Harold Varner, definitely the guy I'd love to see him – love to see him win this week. And then who do I think will win? Um, I think Tommy Fleetwood's going to win. Uh, I like the way he played. He was kind of a dark horse for me this past week at the PGA. And I think he's got – you know, I think his game is kind of coming in um, maybe maybe peak right at the right time. I think this is the right field. I think this course this course is definitely gettable. I think um, Schnett, Brand Schnedeker shot a 59 a couple of years ago at Sedgefield. So this course is gettable. When, when Fleetwood is putting, um, I think he's one of the best players out there. He kind of came huge on my radar at Shinnecock um, Hills and the U.S. Open a few years ago when uh, Boren Brooks won again, but he uh, <laughs> he he's definitely I, I like it. The 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 locks are unbelievable. The flowing hair, Seth McCauley loves the flowing hair. Um, I, I think Tommy's going to take it this week for sure. I'd like to see that. Um, but if Harold or Tommy win, um, it will be a good week for Mr. Seth McCauley. Solid picks, solid picks indeed. So Carmen, what you got? Uh, the guy that I want to win and the guy who I think will win are the same person. Uh, that's Kevin Kisner. I, when I went through the field and I just saw his name come across, something struck me. I just think that this is a Kevin Kisner type event. You know, not as highly attended. There obviously are some some big names there, but he's having a low-key solid year, turning in some good finishes. And 
he's just such a likable dude. I mean, he's just a good old boy. He's just hanging out. Um, hey, say no hobby. Um, so I think he's going to, uh, I think he's going to bring it home. He's from South Carolina, so I'm sure he's got some familiarity with Sedgefield. Um, but he's also, he's a guy who could use the points as well. So that's, uh, that's who I think will win. And, and frankly, that's why I want to win. I don't have a dog in the fight this week, so he's going to be my guy. I'm going to rock. Okay, Josh, who you got? First off, I want to say shout out Bobby Long, big influence at Eagle Point, and also a big influence at Sedgefield. He's part of the reason why, you know, Wells Fargo came to Eagle Point in 2017. So shout out Bobby Long, big time guy. Um, also, shout out Carl Peterson, member at Eagle Point. He's playing this week. Hope he does well. Don't think he's going to really contend, but awesome golfer, awesome person. Got the caddy for him one time. But I would like to see you guys are going to hate it. Fans are going to hate it. I don't care what anybody says. I need Patrick Reed to step up and grab a win for the BGBC community because he played well last week. He's been off and on in the past weeks. So I think a step-up performance this week and a win proves to me that going forward he's going to be in contention and he's going to be dangerous and he's going to cause some problems for y'all's teams as well. So I'd really like to see Patrick Reed step up back-to-back weeks and go out there and get a win after his performance this past week. Who do I think is going to win? I think a slap-on guy, comeback of the year, Brendan Todd, is going to bring it home this week. Not a, not the strongest field. Yeah, there's some top guys out there. Brooks is playing. Tommy Fleetwood's playing. Paul Casey's playing. People like that that are going to give him a little bit of trouble. But I think Brendan Todd is just such a calm and smooth golfer and great striker of the ball. And he's proven it in weeks past that he can get it done. So I think Brendan Todd's the pick this week. That's a, I mean, that's a solid pick, honestly. I, I didn't, he didn't really show up on my radar. For me, uh, who do I want? Same as uh, Sab McCauley. I was going HB3. Kind of a guy that we talked about when we uh, first started recording these episodes. And he hasn't necessarily fallen off, but he hasn't been in the mix like he has recently. But I think he had a good week at the PGA Championship. I think he kind of rides a hot streak going into uh, this tournament. Who do I think will win? Uh, I was having a hard time deciding between these two, so I decided I'm just going to throw both of them out there. Uh, I've got Sir Justin Rose, uh, kind of one of the superstars in the field. I think that it would be a good win- a good week for him to kind of go out there and solidify a win. And also, my next pick, not so much of a sleeper pick, sleeper pick, but he's played well the past two tournaments. He's played in both top 20 finishes. I'm going with Siwoo, Mr. Siwoo Kim. To uh, to win the tournament, it's not a bad okay. pick. All three of them. All right, guys. Well, that's going to do it for this episode. We want to send a huge, huge thank you to Sab McCauley taking a small chunk of his time out of a busy schedule. I know you got to get on the road, head up to Greensboro, and park the car, start annoying some players. So, uh, thank you for joining us. We look forward to having you again for uh, possibly some other majors. Yes, folks, um, this was epic and unbelievable. I appreciate it, Mr. Jakob Yamster, <laughs> Mr. Mr. Carmen, and Mr. Caddy Josh. Um, this was epic and unbelievable. The BGBC, BGBC boys are always going to be on, um, you know, the top of my radar. If you guys want me on any time, um, I look forward to um, the next major, which obviously, like I said, is up in um, a shout-out to uh, kind of close to where Sab grew up in New York, Mamaronick, New York, which is uh, – Epic and unbelievable course, and of course, home of the uh, Phil collapse, where um, famous, fam- <laughs> famous quote where he said, um, I believe Sav said it right there, I can't believe I just did that. I'm such an idiot. 
Um, so <laughs> Philip A. Mickelson, who, who won the week for Sav, I mean, he had such a great week. Um, hopefully he can redeem himself where he collapsed. Um, the winning score the last time it was at Wingfoot was plus five, boys. So um, I do not think – it's. Um, I do not think it's going to play that hard. I think the course is going to play a lot different. Uh, I hate golf like that. Um, it was brutal to absolutely watch yeah. that. But, you know, I, I, I appreciate you boys having me on. I uh, love talking golf with you. Anytime you want me, I'll, I'll be here. Um, it, I appreciate the invite and uh, look forward to the next time. All right, guys. So be sure to follow us on Instagram at BGBC Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at BGBC underscore podcast. Let us know who your picks are for the Wyndham Championship. Also, let us know who surprised you, who didn't surprise you at the PGA Championship. We want to hear from you guys. If you want to give us some topics to talk about, email us at BGBCGolf at gmail.com. And until next time, keep rocking.